Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Praise the Lord. Take your seats on this wet, soggy, drenched weekend. Wow. It is wet, wet, wet. It's kind of wet down here, but I live at Ormo and it is a whitewash up there. So uh, for all of those people, thank you so much, Highway team, Highway people that have put together our, our carols. What a different year. 2020, what has, what has just happened? I mean, really, sometimes you go through a year and you think that was like no other year. And, uh, you know, certainly in my experience as a church pastor, leader, Christian, I have never seen the church doors closed, ever. And uh, when all of that came upon us, we had no idea how long that would take. But because we were the size that we were, we had to follow government rules. Whether we liked it or whether we didn't like it, we had to obey what our government told us to do. And we had no idea just where that would take us or what it would look like and you know, when then when we were in the room, it felt so different because now we've got seats separating everyone from the next person. And that goes against our culture. That goes against who we are. We're all about connection and friendship and make sure you stay and talk to someone. And, you know, that kind of thing. Now they're telling us to separate and sit away and that kind of thing. So what a year it has been. And we've all had to learn to walk with God in a new place, a new level of trust, of trusting God that he will, you know, even as we're singing that, singing that everything that the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it for good. And so we're standing in that truth right now that God will turn it all for good and for his glory. He will put back together what needs to come back together. And I just think he's setting us up for more dynamic days in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. So anything that the enemy, and I don't like to give him any attention at all, but if you feel that the enemy has thrown something your way this year, you need to tell him who he is and who your God is and who you are and that everything related to him is actually underneath your feet. So let's keep it there. Let's keep it there and don't let him poke his little head up and have a go at you because he's got no right to do that. So we're going to talk about some things today and I want to take you for a, a little walk through an incredible week. And it is this final week before uh, Jesus goes to the cross and it's this incredible week in the life of Jesus and most certainly in those that were journeying with him. And that walk and that walk and that week would change all of humanity. We sit here today because of this week and because of what took place on this week. And David, I, I loved around communion. That was just so impacting. Thank you so much for bringing your heart and just truth and spirit around communion this morning. And I think sometimes it's good just to be reminded. Sometimes it's just those moments in the Holy Spirit that he just brings you to that place that's so personal what he's done for you. Do you know the Lord loves you? Do you know God loves us that much? And sometimes we overcomplicate Christianity, but he just loves you that much. And I just think he's bringing us back to the table. 
of uh, those fundamentals and those basics. And I want, to, I want to take you for this walk, and I'll try and stay on track this morning, but this was the week, the final week, that Jesus would enter Jerusalem. This was the last time he would go to Jerusalem, and it was the week that the reason that he came would finally be revealed. And there was a purpose for him coming, and there'll be a purpose for him coming back. He is taking us with him. What a day, what a moment, what a blink of an eye that will be that we will be caught up with him. So I want to walk you through this week. Monday, for example, Jesus would ride a donkey into Jerusalem and they called it the triumphal entry where he would ride a donkey. Imagine if you were that donkey, not that we can because we're not a donkey, but I mean, that donkey you'd want to make a... I don't know, put it aside, what an important donkey it was. And yet he came with such humility that he would ride this donkey into Jerusalem and they called it the triumphal entry. Tuesday, he would speak to a tree. He would speak to this fig tree and we all know what happened to that. He would curse this fig tree. Wednesday, the disciples would notice that the tree had withered from the roots. That's important for us today. We're going to go back to that in a few minutes' time. Wednesday, the disciples would notice that the tree had withered from the roots. Thursday, Jesus is arrested. Friday, he is tried. He is accused. He is convicted and he's beaten and he is sent to the cross. Saturday, we know that his body is in the tomb. And Sunday... This is where we yell, where we shout, where we clap, where we praise is Resurrection Sunday. He comes back from the dead. He comes back from the grave. He comes back from that place of defeating the enemy and it is Resurrection Sunday. We are here because of that day. What a week. But in these final days, and this is what I want to draw your attention on and the reason I... I want to share this with you is this is what the Lord spoke to me in the last couple of weeks. He took me to this place that I want to take you to today. Because I think anything that's coming to your final time, anything that's coming to your final days, you want to make it the, you want it, you want it to have an impact. You want it to be lasting. That's why they do a final will and testament. Because what is written in that has to be binding, it has to be lasting, it has to remain with you. Well, on this final week, the emphasis of Jesus' teaching and illustrations is on faith and it's on being fruitful. And he addresses with the utmost important and the impact of illustration about the spiritual health of his people. So this is a big deal. Where we are spiritually today is a major deal. Jesus makes his way into Bethany. This place called Bethany is a village at the base of the Mount of Olives. And on Tuesday, he comes to this fig tree and he curses the tree. And let's read it together in Mark 11, verse 12 through to 14. The next day... As they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went out to see if it had any fruit. And when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, 
because it was not the season for figs. He says to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Wouldn't you have loved to live a day in the life of these disciples? I mean, they must have been scratching their heads thinking, I don't understand this. I mean, it was a mystery walking with Jesus. So in Bethany, Bethany was known, it was called actually the house of small fruit or the house of dates. And so sometimes at this time of the year, you would see on these trees these small buds or these small fruit, as it was known, that were edible and these were sometimes found in April. And the reason that this was so important was if you got these early buds, then it would be a sign that you would get the latter fruit as well. So the early fruit is absolutely essential for the latter fruit. And that ties in with where we are today and the latter fruit would come in the summer. But this tree had nothing but leaves. There was something wrong with the inside of the tree for it not to be producing the buds that he was looking for. He's hungry. He needs to eat. And he sees this tree from a distance and he's looking for this small fruit but on closer inspection, he sees nothing but leaves. I don't know how that impacts you, but that I tell you what, that causes me to stop and bring my face before the Lord and say, God, I don't want to look good from a distance. I don't want to look good from a distance because the only thing that matters is upon closer inspection, how do I look to you? How do I sound to you in private? How do, I, how do I go about things in private, not just in public? And Jesus reacts to the unfruitful state of the tree and it bothers him to the point of reaction and it needs to bother us too. This is the final week on earth for him. And he's addressing spiritual health, spiritual fruit. Fruit that remains, fruit that just isn't here for a moment, then goes, it's, it's fruit. Even though we're looking at a tree today, it always has a bigger picture attached to it. But we need to take into context too that, as I said, this was not the season for figs to be on the tree. This was early spring. And then Jesus moves on and he goes into Jerusalem and again, we see him reacting. I mean, this was like a few days of reactions, a few days of Jesus really letting out something that is not right. He goes into the temple and we know that he overturns the tables of the money changers, those that were buying and selling and trading, the merchandisers coming through the temple courts. And he is turning this over. And he says, this is not the purpose for my father's house. The temple had become a busy place. It had become full, but with for all the wrong reasons. And he reacts as he had reacted to the tree with leaves only. Now he goes into the temple and you get the feeling that he sees another tree with leaves but no fruit. No wonder he's not happy because this is not the purpose. So let's talk about that. All leaves but no fruit is a big deal and he didn't go lightly on it. 
which leads me to automatically think of this psalm in Psalm 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. And it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Listen to this. He is like a tree that is planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Now, I like this scripture. But I tell you what, there's been some years where it's been easier to prosper than others. There's been some seasons that have been just a celebration, praise the Lord, isn't it great to be alive season? And I tell you what, we've had seasons where it has been a horrible season. And yet according to this word here, it doesn't matter what the season, what the year looks like. It's about where you are planted. You can still produce fruit in any season at all because of where you are planted. Our prosperity, and I'm not talking about money, even though it can be, is about where and who we are planted in. See, Jesus is so precise here. He's so precise, and upon closer inspection, the tree did not produce the fruit it was meant to produce. And I went on a journey with God. I took myself on this journey because I saw this word and I began to respond to it on a personal level. And I thought, Am I more kind than I used to be? Am I more gracious than I used to be? Am I more forgiving than I used to be? Am I more surrendered than I used to be? Because it's those things that produce the right kind of fruit. It's the right kind of fruit. It's not about how I look up here to you. It's not about whether I preach good or I don't preach good. It's not about, you know, as women, we check out what other women are wearing, you know. I like that. I don't like that. Where did she get it? What did she pay for it? Oh, what was she thinking? You know. And now we're on camera, which I got to tell you, I never put my hand up for it. There's tufts of hair sticking up, and it's like, why didn't someone say something? And you've got to get over yourself. You've got to get over yourself and say, God, it doesn't matter. I don't care about the opinions of everybody. And I say that in the kindest, most respectful way. What matters to me is, God, how do I look to you? How do I look to you? Is there your kind of fruit that's coming through me in what has been a, I got to tell you, as a pastor of Highway Church, it's been a rough year. It's been a tough year. It's been a challenging time for us at just about every level of life. It has just about taken from us everything that could be taken, and yet the only thing that matters to me is God where I'm planted, who I'm planted in, and I will continue to prosper and bear fruit for your glory. That's the way you've got to choose and walk sometimes. 
Mark 11, 20, 24, it says, In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree had withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, oh boy, here we go. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Just pause there for a sec. Deeply challenging. What a week. He's now speaking about forgiveness, forgiving others so that you can be forgiven. If we want to walk in the fruit of forgiveness, that means it's not about everybody else getting it right so that they're acceptable in your sight. It's about us forgiving so that we can walk in the freedom of forgiveness before our God and God will sort that out. Is it easy? Never. It's horrible. Particularly when you don't want to forgive because you're hurt, you're wounded, you're crushed, you're disappointed, you're bruised. And yet he says, will you forgive? Yep, I will. Might take a bit, but I will get there. And then he goes on to say about speaking to this mountain, which most likely at that time would have been the Mount of Olives. But given the fact that the Mount of Olives is still standing to this present day and it hasn't gone into the Mediterranean Sea, but it's still there today, I don't believe even though he was using it as an illustration, it wasn't about stretch out your hand and speak to that mountain there, the Mount of Olives, and it will go into the Mediterranean Sea. But I do believe he was speaking to the people of God on planet Earth saying, you can walk in mountain-moving faith. You can do that because of my authority. If you want to. You don't have to, but if you want to. This is a big week. This is a vital week. This is his last week. This is a big journey. And we find the people that traveled with him on this massive journey. And we find ourselves on the same road today. You see, faith matters. We cannot escape this. Faith matters to God. It really does. And his teaching from Bethany to Jerusalem teaches us that the faith of God is incredibly powerful. In some Bibles, you'll read it, have faith in God. In other translations, you'll read about the faith of God. And I personally like that one because it tells me about the faith of God operating in my own life, that I can walk 
in the faith of God, that it's not all up to me, it's about his faith in me that I can exercise. It's this kind of faith that moves things. It's this kind of faith that changes things. It's this kind of faith that brings the will of God into view. It's this kind of faith that produces fruit that lasts through time, situation, and experience. It's this kind of faith that can sustain you through the hard times. Because it's not a fair weather kind of faith. It is the faith of God that says, I will see you through to the other side. It's a kind of faith that's not a feeling, it's not an emotion, it's not a goosebump. It's none of that, but it is a force within us. And the Bible tells us it's not by our might. It's not by our power, but it is by His Spirit, says the Lord. It's that kind of faith. But something else is showing up in these pages, and it is a life of partnership relationship between God and man. Could God, could Jesus have done this without humanity? Of course, of course they could. He's God. He could have done all of this all by himself, but God, for whatever reason, which I don't always understand, he has chosen to partner with you and I. He's chosen that. If ever there has been a year where there's been a priority shift and an opportunity on our part, and when I say our, I mean the church in general, to be disconnected, to be separated, it's been 2020. Everything that's happened in our world this year has been about separate, disconnect, dissect, weaken, alienate, everything this year has gone down that road. I've had people say to me, I don't know what my normal is now. I used to know what normal was, now I don't know what normal is and maybe normal has changed forever, maybe it has. But whether your family changes, whether our world changes, whether our friendships change or our nation There is one that does not change. He is the unchanging God. He is unchanging. He doesn't change his mind. He is still the same as he always was. He is the unchanging God. He is the same God. Mark mentioned it. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He'll be the same God tomorrow. He'll be the same God a year from now. He'll be the same God all the way through your life. If things have changed, it means something in us has changed, but he has not. God, Jesus constantly taught about this connection, this partnership between God and man. Graham Cook writes in his book, Secret Sayings and Hidden Meanings. He writes these words, he says, uh, we abide with God through agreement. We experience the power of that union through obedience, dwelling and remaining. I like that word remain, I like it. It's a challenge to me to remain. 
I come from a long line of family procrastinators. People that make excuses. Say they'll do something and then talk themselves out of it. My family line has that bent to it. And yet when I came to Jesus, he taught me how to remain in my place even though I had had it modelled another way throughout my life. It reminds me of the study I did uh, uh, through the book of Esther one year. This young woman who did experience victory. I like victory. I like breakthroughs. I like answers to prayer. I like, I like that. In fact, I'd go further to say I love that. But what do you do when that's not seemingly there now? You've got to learn to remain in Christ. In Christ. You've got to learn to remain in his word. God, uh, Graham Cook continues to write, we can do nothing to enter this place, but we must do everything to remain there. Staying in Christ is so much easier than being out of sync with God. If ever you've been out of sync with, you, with God, you know, it's, it's awful. Nothing seems to come together. Nothing feels quite right. You, you sort of feel like you're out here somewhere, but the good news is there's always a way back. There's always a way back. The grace of God brings us back. And then the scripture goes on to say, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. So as I mentioned, Jesus here, I don't believe, he was using the Mount of Olives as an illustration, but, you know, what's really going on here? I mean, many times throughout scripture, we see either a word or an action over an inanimate object. We see it repetitively. He uses agriculture. He uses some horticultural kind of illustration. Or, you know, here he's speaking to a tree. Or in the same chapter of Mark 11, he's, speaking, he's saying, speak to a mountain or this mountain. Moses strikes a rock. And the water flows. Elisha throws a stick into the water and the iron axe head floats. Joshua marches around a stone wall. I mean, get that, stone walls. He's marching around a stone wall and on the last day this shout happens and the wall comes tumbling down. I mean, you know, was it about a wall, a rock, a stick? What was going on here? Was it about us having authority over some inanimate object? And the answer, of course, is no. It's about you and I walking in agreement with God and walking out our God authority upon the earth so that you can say to your mountain, whether it's a mountain of disease or a mount, some other mountain that has stood in the way of the will and the plan and the purpose of God, and you can say to that mountain, I command you to be removed and to be out of the way so that the will of God can be manifested. That's what he's teaching throughout this. Keep in mind, this is his last week. And he's teaching these things to his disciples so that it would flow through the church that was building at that time. And here we are in the year 2020, almost 2021, and we're saying still, 
that we can speak to the mountain and tell it to be removed and be cast into the sea and get out of the way so that the will of God can be manifested. But we've got to remain in Christ. Remain in his words. Abide in him. And it says here in the scripture, whatever you ask for, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. I want to get there. I want to get there. And I'll tell you now, it's not about how hard you pray. It's not about how long you pray. It's not about... I could go in places, but I'm not. It's about us abiding in agreement with the words of God, and you are all ready there. Because doubt has no place and no room to take a hold. We went to pray for a man with a brain tumor this week. Christian, beautiful man. He just had surgery. He's got a scar this long over, the, over his skull. One side of his face isn't working so great. And it was funny because and I don't believe it was a coincidence, but I felt to share this very scripture with him. He said they'd still left a little bit at the base here because if they took that, it would affect, you know, other movements because there's this part of the brain apparently, Michelle, I don't know the name of it, but I know this part here that tells you to, I think, talk and walk and move. And anyway, so they left something there. And I said to this person, let's come together and curse this at the roots. Let's do that. He got so excited. He wrote it down. Now, he's a pastor. He knows this scripture. But he wrote it down. He said, I'm going to do that because they can't take it out. And I said, let's curse this thing at the roots. If Jesus cursed a fig tree and it died from the roots, let's curse this cancer at the roots in the name of Jesus and say, go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. He wrote it down in his journal because his memory still isn't great. See, we've got to get rid of the doubt. Why is it that Jesus goes into his own hometown and could do so little there because of unbelief? Unbelief is that we've allowed doubt to grow and develop and take hold and take root. And this is easy. This is an easy message to preach when life is just so brilliant. It's just awesome. You know, you've But I tell you what, when you're in a challenging day and you stand in this and you say, "God, I will not let doubt have its place. But I will remain in your words." We've got to abide in the vine because that tree bears fruit. And as we get ready for a new year, and ready or not, it's coming. I pray this over our lives. May we never be okay, ever. May we never be okay about living our Christianity like a tree with no leaves, uh, no fruit, sorry that we might look or sound good from a distance, but up close and personal, 
There's something missing. And you know what? You don't know what you're made of and you don't know what's in you until you've been challenged. Until you've been challenged. Remember the day that I got word to say that Byron had been taken in. It was a Tuesday with heart attack. And sometimes you don't always know the words to pray in a crisis. But I'm so pleased that God baptized me in the Holy Spirit. And from Olmo down to Pindara Hospital, that highway is the most prayed over highway on planet Earth. I've done a few trips over the years. The name of Jesus has been called on many times down that M1 highway. And you pray in the Spirit. And he intercedes on your behalf. Secondly, may we always strive, if we strive for anything, may we strive to stay in agreement and in faith that we can stay on course, that we can stay the path. I pray that we'll always remain and not run from what matters to God. Maybe it's my age now. Maybe I've just been on the the journey long enough that I'm not as swayed by people as I used to be. I don't have to please everyone. There's only one that I have to please. There's only one opinion that I have to satisfy, and that is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I used to be so fearful of people, particularly when they stuck a microphone in my hand. That was the worst day of my life. And they say, open your mouth and speak. And you can't speak because your knees are shaking so much. I was so fearful of people. I was fearful of my father. And then they put me in a room of 500 people and they say, speak. And I was afraid of criticism and mockery and rejection. And now I don't fear at all. Because there's only one that I have to please. Only one. May we always remain in what matters to God. I leave you with this thought. In consistency lies the power for a fruitful life that will eventually lead to longevity. Inconsistency lies the power for a fruitful life that leads to longevity. And that needs to be our story. Amen? This morning our time is almost done. But I want to speak to some mountains today. I don't know what your mountain looks like. We had a mountain come our way in the last two weeks. Maybe I'll share that at another time. It doesn't need to be about me today. But it does need to be about wherever you are right now in the presence of God. And I want to speak to some mountains and I want you to come into agreement with that right now. If you've got a mountain that stands in the way of the will of the Father for your life, just stand to your feet right now. God knows what it is. But I want you and Mark, what was that second last song that we sang? And Yes, that's the one. 
I'm going to pray and then in the last couple of minutes that we've got together, this is an important time. This is a really important time. Because I want you to walk in the victory that has been given to you already. I want us to get out of that mindset that we've got to climb some mountain to get that victory. It's actually not biblically accurate. It's actually not, it's, it's not biblically accurate. We've got to stand in our authority of the finished work of the cross. That's where we are. And so, Father, I stand together today with my brothers and my sisters. We stand in this room today, oh God, underneath your mighty presence and covering today. We thank you, our God, for what you have done. We thank you, Lord, for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus declared it is done, it is finished. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the victory and the authority that you've given to us today. And I stand in this room today with every one of my brothers and every one of my sisters. And we speak directly to that mountain, that mountain that stands in the way of, of your best over their lives, that mountain that stands in the way of God-given destiny, that mountain that stands in the way of the will of God, that destiny that stands in the way of their blessing, their prosperity, God, that stands in the way of their health and their healing. We speak directly to that mountain. And we say to that mountain, you be removed. You go. You get out of the way. We command that mountain and the root cause of it to shrivel, to die at the roots, to die at the roots, that no longer will you bear the wrong kind of fruit. No longer will you have leaves there. No longer. Will you have a place or an influence over the lives of God's men and women? We say right now, it is shriveled at the roots and we command it to go. Be gone and don't you ever, ever, ever return. We thank you, we give you praise. Thank you, Mark. We thank you, we give you praise.